You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that up, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we are back in Indianapolis for day two of scouting combine coverage. Chris Greer's press conference. We'll talk to Greg Cosell of NFL Films, Emery Hunt of CBS Sports HQ, and Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, draft, free agency, Dolphins incumbent players and contracts coming up. Plenty of coming your way here from Indianapolis inside the Indiana Convention Center. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. We are going to get to Chris Greer's Wednesday morning media availability here in just one second, as well as Greg Cosell, Emery Hunt, and Brad Spielberger. But I want to go ahead and start with this because I found a really cool piece on the interwebs. that The NFLPA, the Players Association, surveyed 1,300 players recently in order to share with one another about their current club regarding daily experiences at team facilities away from the lights and cameras. And the purpose of the survey was to provide players with perspective to help them make important career decisions, but also to raise league standards. The goal of the survey was to highlight positive clubs and identify areas that could use improvement. And within this survey, your Miami Dolphins ranked, drum roll, second in the NFL. Pretty good, uh, pretty good timing on this piece ahead of free agency. Miami ranked as the second best overall, according to the NFL players, 1,300 surveyed in total. The facilities grayed out at the top of nearly every category. The staff is well-respected, and the players feel like both trainers and strength coaches add to their success in this piece. Uh, the survey results show that 97% of respondents believe that club owner Stephen Ross is willing to invest money into upgrading the facilities. That ranks him eighth in that category. And Miami ranked tied for first in the following categories. Food service and nutrition. I can attest to that. Weight room. Can't attest to that. Strength coaches, training room, training staff, and locker room. They were also tied for fourth in team travel. Not bad. Not bad at all. And I can confirm it's a pretty great place to work. Let's go ahead and get into Chris Greer's press conference here and start off with a couple of contract questions, beginning with a player that used the fifth-year option on last year, defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. You know, um, Christian, uh, ever since we drafted him, has done done nothing but get better each year. He he, he is a tireless worker, as we've talked about. You guys have heard me talk about how he works around the uh, building. He's in every day. He's still in the offseason. I've seen him around uh, more than anyone. uh, So he loves the game. He loves our organization. Uh, we love him. We'd like him to have him here for a long time. And uh, But in terms of uh, conversations with agents, you know, I, we don't really talk publicly about it, but we, we would like to have him here a long time. And that message has been very, very consistent with the Dolphins so far this offseason about Christian Wilkins and really since he first got drafted here in 2019. 
from the 2019 class in the first round moving to the 2020 class, our first pick that year will be eligible for his fifth-year option next offseason, and that is due up in May. So we're going to talk a lot about quarterback Tua Tungvaluwa right here. Let's go ahead and first start with Chris Greer and his thoughts on the fifth-year option for the Miami quarterback. You know, with us, we're still having all those conversations because there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, and I think now that we're finally finishing up the coaching staff that will focus on uh, some of these answers and, and, and coming together with Mike and I will sit and talk about it and as well as with Mr. Ross and, and uh, Brandon Shore. So we'll go through it and uh, we'll make our decision then. But um, all expectations, he's our quarterback and he's our quarterback here to be successful for a long time. So I saw some tweets uh, after McDaniel spoke on Tuesday about the I guess the backup quarterback and the challenging of the starting quarterback position. And I want to go ahead and provide more context for that from both coach and Chris Greer, because coach was very adamant in his, his praise and his, uh, his stance that Tua is his preferred quarterback here for a long, long time. That's what both sides want, according to Mike McDaniel and, you know, talking about Tua Tungavailoa, but Chris Greer touched on that as well. Talking about the idea of an extension. Let's go ahead and play this first part. And then we'll have a follow-up soundbite talking about the durability concerns compared to production when it comes to a potential long, long-term extension for your quarterback? Yeah, I think um, all options, like you said, we'll go through it here. We're going to spend a lot of time here. And then that's the good thing is like, we don't, we're not rushed to make anything right now. And so um, we'll be in touch with two of his representatives and Mike and I and Brandon will sit and Steve and we'll make a, um, a push for things and we'll talk and we'll see where they stand. But um, we're very, like I said, very excited for him. Um, the strides he made this year with Mike and the offense. I mean, you guys have been here, have seen it. It was, um, it was really exciting. And to see the work he's put in that you guys don't see uh, at the facility and around and off has been really incredible. And the dialogue between he and Mike, um, just talking football as much as he, I mean, I've never heard as much football as he talks about Mike and stuff he sees, even from other games. And it's, it's pretty cool to see. I think this next one's pretty telling about how the Dolphins view their long-term prospects with Tua Tungavailoa. Remember, just a 25-year-old star quarterback. Those don't come around very often. Uh, I mean, I can't lie and say no, you know. Um, but it's it's not something that we're uh, – it's going to be make us afraid to do something long-term with him. So, um, you know, the one thing he's had, he's, he's been banged up, but he always comes back <laughs> and bounces back and plays hard and, and, and performs. So, um uh, excited for his future. Uh, excited for uh, watching him doing all the work he's been doing um, in the offseason here right now to prepare for 2023. And he, he's he's very excited to get back on the field with his teammates. How about the offensive line in front of Tua Tungavailoa? You're going to get an answer here from Chris Greer that I think really kind of puts into place the idea that they're excited about the not just the potential of what we had in three stalwarts in Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, and Robert Hunt, but the potential of the young players that have recently been drafted, their upward trajectory, new coaching staff around them in terms of offensive line coach. Here's Chris Greer talking about offensive line in the offseason. Uh, I think uh, the offensive lines we showed last year, you know, we, we went out and you know, like we added Eric Fisher and signed guys and injuries happened, especially that position. Uh, so for us, it's, it's continuing to add depth to that position um, and the competition and, and create spots. The, you know, the guys uh, made tremendous strides last year. Uh, you guys have heard Mike and uh, Frank Smith talk about how happy he is with the development of uh, some of the young players. You know, obviously, like with Austin, he just needs to stay healthy so he can get a, a full evaluation of him. But um, with, with Connor, Liam, uh, Rob, and obviously, Tehran, you know, we feel a good core guys right there to start with. And, and Rob Jones and uh, Lester Cotton coming in, you know, playoff game. 
a young player. So, so excited about some of the development potential of some of the players. Development potential as well as talking about adding depth and competition. Pretty telling there about the Dolphins' uh, thoughts on their own offensive line. Let's go next talking to Chris Greer about the shift in the offseason approach where in the past they've been, you know, aggressive draft picks, lots of room and cap space. Here's Chris Greer talking about freeing up room and the flexibility they maintain based upon the way they do their books and do their contracts. Here's Chris Greer. No, this is nothing that's unexpected for us. You know, we've, we've done a good job communicating that. And uh, Mr. Ross, we've talked to him, knows as well. You know, Brandon Shore and Max and Palatano do a great job of um, looking at all scenarios for us. And um, but when we make moves, even when we do trades like we did with Chubb midseason, it's always with an eye of what things are going to look like and what we have to do. So um, we'll be fine. Um, and it's always working from that position of flexibility that we like. And, uh, and we'll continue to do that, which provides this opportunity to continue to make moves. Let's go ahead and finish up here as Chris Greer was asked to evaluate last year's offseason in terms of free agency. And I think that was kind of the focus of the question. Here's Chris Greer talking about last year's haul, bringing in a bunch of really, really good players. We felt we made some good moves, some good players we brought in that, that impacted us. You know, we were a young team, so added some veteran guys that were leaders, but also good players to show these guys how to do things we thought was important. Um, uh, you know, every move that you make, you, you love there all to be home runs. We, we thought we had a really good free agent class last year. Um, you know, obviously, you know, like a player like, you know, like Cedric Wilson was signed, but then the Tyreek trade happened. You know, so that was just different, which impacted him. But then end of the year, we, we probably don't win games with him without him returning the punts, stepping up to do that and, and give us a chance to win games. So um, all the guys contributed pretty much. So happy with that. Um, but at the end of the day, you just uh, I was really proud of the work that uh, the scouting staff did uh, in season, you know, like with Brandon Shell and those guys that come in and impact us to help us win. So um, it's just trying to make good decisions uh, to create depth and competition at positions to, to keep us um, in a position to try and win games. All right, there you go. Great stuff from Chris Greer, as always. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side, and we're going to hear from the great Greg Cosell of NFL Films. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
We've got three more interviews for you guys here. We conducted on the floor at the Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. We're going to have, I believe, the plan is for six more, three more on Thursday, three more on Friday. Plenty of big names coming down the pike as well as what we have right now for you. Greg Cosell, NFL Films, longtime legend, 43 years at that company breaking down film. Let's go ahead and roll my interview with the great Greg Cosell. What's up, Dolphins? Back here again at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. 2023 edition here with the NFL Films' Greg Cosell. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be with you. Thanks. Very happy to have you in. We're going to talk a lot of X's and O's today. We've got the X's and O's guru here, so why not do that? I want to first ask you this question because we see it kind of populated out there a lot on social media and the like, but I'm curious to hear an expert's take. What is it about Mike McDaniel's offense that makes it quarterback friendly? Well, I think the first thing you have to understand is you have to understand the strength of your quarterback. Tua is a timing rhythm player. Tua's game is built on really quick drops, quick set, get the ball out. So Tua is a, that's his game. He's very twitchy on his drop, his set, and his delivery. It's very compact. So now when, when you look at what your quarterback is, then you have to build your pass game based on his strengths. So for instance, when they signed Tyree Kill, the first thing I thought of was not that they're going to throw the deep ball. The first thing I thought of was with all the motion that Mike McDaniel uses, which, by the way, the 49ers have been one of the most motion-used teams in the NFL, and that's he's been with Kyle Shanahan, I think, his entire career prior to becoming the Dolphins' head coach, is what they're going to do is they're going to, through formation and the use of motion, create free access for their receivers so they can run those short intermediate routes and they can keep Tua within timing and rhythm in the pass game. How many times did we see Waddle and Hill catch those inbreakers between the numbers? That's their game. That's Tua's game. Then you add in, you know, the RPO element in addition to the motion and Tua obviously when he was able to play was incredibly efficient because that's what he is. And I think Mike McDaniel had a tremendous understanding of that and built the pass game around that. They certainly did. They kind of <clears throat> built the game, the offense around pass first and then set the run up later. And I'm curious to get your take on how they can get more out of the running game yeah, this year yeah. because they, they, it's a, such a good compliment to have that stretch zone offense right. with that speed on the perimeter. <clears throat> right. How do you think Miami accomplishes that this year? And I'm sure he wants to because Mike is considered a real savant when it comes to the zone run game. And obviously they didn't run the ball with the volume or efficiency that I'm sure many of us thought they would when he got the job. You know, because that's his thing. So <clears throat> that's clearly an area that I think they'll work on this offseason. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he would want to do more than that. We don't know until we see it, but I'm sure that that is, that is an area of emphasis in this offseason. One thing McDaniel mentioned at his press conference yesterday he had here was talking about year two in the, in the offense and how rather than studying someone else's players in your offense, you know, going back last year for them and watching the Niners offense, now they have an offseason where they can watch themselves practice right. and make those corrections. What kind of impact do you think that can have on the Miami offense? I think it's big because you can watch it now with, with a different perspective. During the season, you're very, very focused on opponents. And even though you're still aware of your players, clearly because you grade your players, that's the first thing they do is, you know, usually if it's a home game, the night of the game, you know, after the game, most people don't know this, the coaches go back and they watch their, that game and they're grading their players and then they get into the other team. But now you can do it with a little different perspective. You know, every team self-scouts at the end of the year. So now they can see their players in the context of what they want to do. And, and that gives them a much better feel for specific individuals than, you know, 
watching it in a different offense and saying, oh, well, can this guy fit in my, in my offense? Now they, they know one way or the other. Trying to plug pieces in right, here and there right, and make it right. fit that way. On the other side of the ball, Vic Fangio comes to Miami, and you know the personnel and the way that fits right. with his scheme, how do you think his impact could potentially improve this Dolphins defense? Well, he's going to bring a different scheme than they had before. And, you know, the, the Fangio family is, is permeating the NFL. Sure is. And, um, <laughs> you know, and he's sort of the savant. He's the master. He's the guy everybody looks to. Um, they were, a, you know, a, a heavy pressure front team, you know, and, and a blitz team. And, you know, they did a lot of that. And that was kind of their thing. That's not the way Vic Fangio plays. So there's going to be an adjustment. Um, there's going to be a big mental adjustment for a lot of players. Um, I'm really curious. I, I think Holland is a really good player. I think he can play in any scheme. Uh, clearly, in the previous scheme, he played a ton of single high. Fangio does play single high, but his his sort of foundation is much more split safety, kind of in the quarters family. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. They had a ton of injuries on the outside last year, so we'll see. You know, ideally, you know, guys will be back. Um, I think they've got good personnel on defense. You know, theoretically, should it work? Yes, but there's a lot of nuance, a lot of detail um, to the Vic Fangio defense, and that's going to take some time. You know, it might be a case where early in the season you see some some mistakes, some breakdowns until they figure out. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of carry, then pass on, and you know that's when the Fangio scheme's working really effectively. That that's the way it gets done. But that's that takes time to master because there's some gray areas there. One way you can potentially speed up the communication <coughs> on the back end, maybe get some more pass rush up front. How do, you think, how do you think Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb can kind of be unlocked as a tandem in this defense under Coach Fangio? Well, they're edge pass rushers. I really like Jalen Phillips. Although, you know, they moved him inside a lot last year when they went to their dime. Um, whether that, see, again, we don't know if that would continue or not. Yeah, sure. That may be, have been a function of the previous coordinator. Um, I really like Jalen Phillips. I thought the year he came out, I thought he was the edge, best edge pass rush prospect in the draft. Um, to me, that's what he does best. It's very possible they could keep him outside because, like I said, they brought him inside. Um, you know, so, you know, Chubb, is, he's been injured a lot, but at his best, he's a quality edge pass rusher as well. So theoretically, they have two. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, pass, edge pass rushers are edge pass rushers. When you go to your sub in long yardage situations, you need edge pass rush. You know, and theoretically, those guys can do that. Looking forward to seeing those guys get more pressure off yeah. the edges here. We have to get a draft question here for you here, being the scouting combine. Uh, <coughs> Dolphins don't pick until the second round, right. a couple of picks in day three. Uh, you know, ESPN's uh, team needs are tight end, running back, offensive line, and linebacker, or linebacker and defensive back. So kind of thinking about those position groups, who are some names on day two you might like to round out some potential Dolphins needs there? Well, there's a linebacker I really, really like, and I think he'd be a Vic Fangio kind of player. And... I think he'll be a day two player, um, and that's Jack Campbell from Northwestern. I really like him. He's uh, Iowa, excuse me, not Northwestern. Jack Campbell from Iowa, um, and and Campbell is long. He's close to six five. He's really really good in the box. Um, he's physical. He's a shock and shed guy. Um, he rarely ever got caught up in traffic in the box because he has great key and diagnose. Um, I wouldn't call him twitchy, but he's got really good sideline to sideline range because, you know, he's got stride length because he's long. So he's a player I really, really like. You know, if they're looking to upgrade a linebacker, I think he's a guy that, that they might like a lot. Um, I don't think this tight end will be available by the time they draft, and I haven't done a ton of tight ends, but I love Dalton Kincaid from Utah. 
but I think he'll be a first-round player. There's uh, a lot of tight ends in this year's class, too. What's that? A lot of tight ends in this year's class. I was wondering yeah, if you I were going to say there. I haven't done yeah. the tight ends yet other than Kincaid, so For I sure. can't. You know, I did Mayer last summer. Um, I think he's a good prospect as well. Um, I haven't done the Oregon kid. Um, Musgrave. Uh, Musgrave yet. Um, is it Oregon or Oregon State? Oregon State, Oregon yeah. State. Yeah. So I haven't done him yet. I know he didn't play much this year. I have to go back to last year. But I hear it's a pretty solid tight end class. I just haven't gotten to those guys yet. Yeah, sounds good. The linebacker class, by the way, three of our four off-ball linebackers are free agents this year, so maybe that's the direction the Dolphins could yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Looking that way for Vic Fangio's defense as well. Greg Cosell, <coughs> NFL Films, thank you for your time today, sir. Appreciate Thanks, it. appreciate it. Yep. Out goes Greg Cosell. In comes pro football focus is Brad Spielberger. If you want to learn more about the cap, contracts, free agency, and all that stuff and how it works, Spielberger is a great resource for you. Let's go ahead and go to my interview with Brad Spielberger talking all things free agency both last year and this year. What's up, Dolph fans? Back here at the Scouting Combine 2023 from Indianapolis. I'm joined today on the podcast by none other than PFF's Brad Spielberger. Brad, how you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Tough shot here. Two of us. Height difference. We're going to make it work out, though. I want to talk to you a little bit about free agency because you guys just produced the top 100 free agent list on Pro Football Focus. But before we talk about 2023, I want to go back to last year because the Dolphins were heavily invested in the free agent market, and it worked out for them. So between Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, Alec Ingold, Raheem Mostert, how did you kind of gauge the Dolphins' free agent class last year and how they performed this season? I love the Armstead deal. You know, I understand there are the injury concerns. They did pop up a little bit last year. But whenever you can get a blue-chip left tackle for $15 million a year, strong structure, great deal. Connor Williams, interesting guy as well. Obviously, kick him inside to center. But a guy that we always graded very highly. Dallas obviously shifted around a little bit, got benched that year, but played very well. Yeah, we were a big fan of his production on the offensive line. And him and Teron really kind of came in and stabilized an offensive line that had some issues the previous couple of years. So those two guys were big additions. Also get Tyreek Hill, not a free agent. It was a trade acquisition, but how can you make a bigger impact on Tyreek Hill? He was awesome last year. You cannot. I mean, if you want to bring along one of these young quarterbacks, get him a guy, get him a Tyreek Hill, right? And that, <laughs> yeah. that's a recipe for success right there. So, yeah, I mean, just you, you can't beat that move. Yeah, it's pretty good to get Tyreek Hill in here. And, you know, one thing we talked about off air a little bit was how the Dolphins, and, and Chris Greer mentioned this to his availability here in Indianapolis too, was how flexible the Dolphins are with their cap space. I know that's something that you're pretty pretty well versed in. How do the Dolphins do a good job of keeping their contracts flexible so they can be flexible in the future? Yeah, so they're always looking short-term and long-term, balancing those two things, trying to compete, trying to win right now with the rookie contract for Tua Tagovailoa, but also, of course, knowing that contract could be coming, all those things. So we look at restructure potential, basically how much money could they kick down the road, how much cap could they kick down the road. They're top five this offseason. If they want to create a bunch of room, restructure some deals, they are very easy, you know, they can do that. So how... Talk us, talk us about how they do that because to me, like I, cap stuff, it kind of goes over my head a little bit because it's just like crunching numbers. And it just, I'm more of a writer and podcaster, so the numbers aspect kind of gets a little bit overwhelming to me. But how, like, how do they achieve that? What, what's the, I guess, the the bread and butter behind staying that flexible? And, and how, like, how could more teams do that, I guess? Right. So you, when, you, when you're creating a contract, the, the money, the cash flow that comes in is either signing bonus, which is prorated, pushed over the life of the deal up to five years, or you have salaries and roster bonus, which all hit in a single year. But you go into a year, you can push that money down the road, gives you more flexibility, the ability to spend more money. And they've made it so, again, like they balance it to where we don't want to go crazy with that. We don't want to be normal saints and kind of totally leverage. But also, if we want to do that, want to contend, we can. And they set themselves up very well this offseason. Yeah, it's been that way for a while now with the Dolphins and Chris Greer, Brandon Shore do a great Great job there. Let's go ahead and talk about the PFF top 100 players from 2022. Dolphins were well represented in that list last year. They actually had the most players on that list since uh, I believe it was going back to the early 2000s. So the Dolphins roster in a good shape this year. Who stands out from you on that list between Tua, 
obviously we talked about Tyreek, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Connor Williams, Christian Wilkins. Who stands out? Yeah, you know, Jalen Phillips, I think, is an ascending great young player. I think Vic Fangio, him working with guys like him, Javon Holland, I think can take them from really good players to maybe special players, right? And just like good talents that are, you know, getting better each week. You see them coming along. Obviously, Jalen's story is fascinating how he got to the NFL, you know, retiring in college, all those things. But the pieces are coming together right there. It's looking pretty good. And there's a few guys on that list, I think, that could possibly make the list, or I should say on the roster, that could make the list next season. I put down four names here. You can add to them if you want to. I, Javon Holland, Rob Hunt, Bradley Chubb, and Zach Sealer. Would you project any of those guys to have a potential jump to the top 100, or is it someone else I didn't list here for you? Javon's the one. I thought he was even on there. Yeah. I'm not surprised he wasn't. I'm <laughs> super, super high on Javon Holland. I think he's a really, really good young player. He's versatile, can move him around, and I do think Vic is that's the guy. Like, you get his hands on him, you know, use him differently, move him around a little bit. I think he could be a special player. So you mentioned the flexibility options for the Dolphins this offseason. You guys also just produced the top 100 free agents available uh, on PFF.com right now. It's a great list. We utilize it on the podcast a lot. Um, just wanted to talk about who's like your bird's eye view of the free agent list this year. Like I know the dra- we always talk about draft, you know, classes and who has the you know the running back positions loaded this year. For instance, is there a position that stands out above the rest? Like, what's your bird's eye view on this year's free agency crop? I think tight end for me. I think a guy like Austin Hooper has that connection to Kyle Shanahan. So kind of you know played in that wide zone offense, Tennessee, Atlanta. Um, obviously, you know this past year had a good bounce back year. I think he makes all the sense in the world. A good blocker can you know. With those two guys, speed on the outside, he just sit in zones, get a lot of yards after the catch. I think it makes a ton of sense. How about the linebacker position? Because that's one that yeah, I've seen a lot of talk about. Vic Fangio always has a certain type of linebacker, but I, there has been some flexibility in his, his units in the past. You know, whether it's a Jerome Baker type who goes like 230 pounds and can run all over the field, or is it more like the Landon Roberts type who's the big thumper between the B gaps? What do you think stands out the most about a Vic Fangio linebacker, and who yeah. might kind of check those boxes in free agency? Yeah, he kind of had both in Chicago, right? Yeah, Danny Trevathan, more that thumper, Roquan Smith, more the you know kind of speed guy. So I think he is versatile. Luckily for Miami, it is a deep, deep free agent class at linebacker. If you're looking for one of those bigger guys, like a Leighton Van Der Esch coming up from Dallas, can maybe make sense. Um, you know, there's a lot of those speed guys as well. Bobby Okereke, you know, there's every flavor of linebackers available this offseason. I love Bobby Okereke's game. He's a stud. Yeah. What are you guys working on right now? What's, what's coming up next for Brad at PFF? So top 100 is, is all me right now. We're <laughs> yeah. pushing that out to 200. Um, yeah, I mean, free agency is, what, two weeks from now? Yeah, so that's, that's all I'm doing these days. Brad Spielberger, PFF. Thanks for your time today, Thank man. you. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side. One more interview. One of my favorite guests we get here on the Drive Time Podcast every single year, the great Emery Hunt talking Cater Kohu, UDFAs, HBCU Combine and Legacy Game, all of that and more here on the other side. Emery Hunt, Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome back once again to the 2023 Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. We're talking today to Emery Hunt from CBS Sports HQ. Emery, I think this is maybe appearance number five or six for you. You're coming up close for the all-time record for appearances on drive time here. So we're going to have to start charging them in, in some point, <laughs> man, because these experiences ain't cheap, you know? Especially with uh, what you dropped last year on the uh, UDFA podcast. You gave us a couple guys to make the team, and they made the team. Both Braylon Sanders and, uh, and Cater Kohu got snaps last year. Last year. We're going to get to that in one second, but first... 
This is the man that makes all the rounds to every college all-star game out at the HBCU Combine, the Legacy Bowl. I want to get your experience from that game because it's, we saw a lot of coverage with it this year, and it's getting a little more popularity. You're out there all the time. What did you see from that game and that week of practice? Just a fantastic week of, of work for these guys. Now, granted, it was a little bit more truncated this year because of Mardi Gras. Uh, so they <laughs> took away a Tuesday practice. So they only got Wednesday and Thursday practice. Friday walked through, Saturday was the game. But I like the fact that they attached the Combine to the beginning of the week because that was packed with scouts. Guys got to work out. Some guys that were there participated also in the game. Some guys didn't, so this was their only shot, and they made the most of it. So it was a great week altogether when you combine everything that was involved for those players out there to, to really showcase in front of the scouts. Yeah, it's really cool to see different guys have an opportunity to just get their names out there, and that's kind of what we love to have you on the podcast for every year. You're my go-to guy. UDFA class, get Emery on the podcast. And last year, again, he talked about Braylon Sanders and Cater Kohu, two guys that he was a big fan of. Kohu had a heck of a season last year. Sanders got a couple of uh, games of experience as well, and he'll be back in the mix again this year. But I want to talk about Cater Kohu. Just give me your take on him now that you had a full year of NFL tape. You were big on him coming out of Commerce, but pretty good for the Dolphins last year, too. Yeah, it shows you that no matter where you play, if you have the talent, the talent will supersede your level of competition. And he got out there, played really well, and got better as the season went on. And that tells you about the guy's athletic ability and his ability to adapt. And it shows you that no matter if you take a guy from, at the time it was a Division II program, but now they moved up to the FCS, so they're FCS D1. But when you take a guy from a smaller school, a lot of times all they need is that opportunity to play. Because I remember coming from high school, going to college, it was, okay, I was running high school speed, then about after a week of practice, you get used to college speed. So a lot of times for these guys coming from a smaller program, you put them around other elite athletes. You have no choice but to raise your level of play. And once that happens, then the true talent gets to, to show out and, and really foster itself. And that's what we saw from Kohu to where teams were challenging him, throwing at him. He kept answering the call. Then they stopped for a little bit and found somewhere else to go with the ball. And that rookie hat, right? The rookie cornerback are going to go after that guy, but he earned his stripes quite well. Do, do you think executives and scouts and personnel decision makers, do you think they put more stock into those all-star games, maybe even in the tape from the college season because of that competition aspect of it? For the small school guys, yes, that's a great question. That's a great point because when you think about, okay, the biggest question you have for a kid that you're watching from a Division II program or an FCS program, well, how well does he do against other competition? Unless they play a team from a FBS or if you're a D2 school and you play an FCS school, if they don't have that, you only have to go off the all-star game appearances. So that's why those guys have to go to these all-star games, show up and show out. And when you do, it answers those questions. So now the projection moving forward is easier to make for scouts. There's always lots of reasons why guys fall in the draft, and sometimes it's no fault of their own, like you mentioned, the competition. Cater Kohu, a good example. Who's a guy this year that you could see maybe falling to the back end of the draft, maybe all the way out of the draft again, but you like his game a lot, and you're going to put your stamp on it and say, that guy can play at the next level? Well, there's two guys, and I'm going to go back to the well again at Commerce. Celestine Haba, an edge rusher, was phenomenal at the Tropical Bowl. Every time it was a team drill with his 907, or you know, seven on seven, or somewhere we had to get pressure that wasn't one on one. He was getting pressure, and so that's someone that really stood out in those type of events. Also at corner, from the HBCU Legacy Bowl, but also from the NFLPA game, Keenan Isaac, out of Alabama State, 6'2", 188 pounds. He's a long corner, type of long length that he could scratch his knees while just standing <laughs> up right there. That's how long his arms are. But he could press. He has great ball skills, ball awareness, ball instincts. He's coming off back-to-back all-star game performances where he performed really well. And there was a young receiver out there in Xavier Smith for FAMU who was lightning quick in all directions. 
he was someone that really tied up his, his you know, abilities at the line of scrimmage with his length and his press and taking the ball away. So very impressed with Keenan Isaac. He should have been here, but since he's not, he's someone I think is going to fall later in the draft and someone's going to get themselves a true gem. And if he winds up on our roster at the end of the draft, we'll have you back on the podcast talking about him and everybody else in that UDFA class. But as for the draft, we also want to talk about guys that will hear their names called day one, day two. Dolphins don't have a day one pick this year, so I want to focus, as we do every time you come on the podcast, from a running back yourself, let's talk some running backs. And last year you made a great comparison talking about it being like a gumbo. The different mix of all the different seasonings. You can Whatever your flavor you prefer, you prefer, you can get in last year's draft. This year's class is pretty deep too, though, isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's a deep class of running backs. And, again, I go deeper than most in terms of the guys I scout. I've scouted 100-something running backs already. So we got a, a deep group of running backs. Now, every guy I was studying, I was, like, more and more impressed with how talented he is. There's a couple of guys that I really like that I think will be available for the Dolphins uh, pick in round two. Um, that I would start right away. Uh, number one, I'm team size is not a skill. So for me, Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State, he's 5'6", about 175 pounds, but he has all the elusiveness that you want. He can make you miss. You can't hit what you can't catch. You can't hurt what you can't touch. And someone that small is definitely as strong. He's, he's powerful. He's explosive. And that's the type of guy he gave Alabama fits. You saw that in the bowl game. And he's someone that has been productive over time, carrying a rock, as the lead dog in the backfield, just like Sproles did at Kansas State. So I like Deuce Sproles, or Deuce uh, Vaughn. But I also like Keaton Mitchell, East Carolina. Probably the ex most explosive first step I've ever seen. Like the last time I saw someone's first step that explosive, it was two guys. It was John Avery that used to play at Ole Miss, former Miami Dolphin back in uh, the Jimmy Johnson era, but also Bo Jackson. And I'm not saying he's one of those guys, but I'm just talking about that level of explosiveness and burst. He can get around the corner pretty quickly. And we know what Mike McDaniel wants to do with the run game. Think about how he utilized the guys he had and, and how he found guys that were a little bit better at running his offense based off their explosiveness and their speed. They don't need volume, and that's what those two guys don't need, which is why I think they'll be perfect fits for Miami. So you mentioned round two for uh, Deuce Vaughn. Is that about where you think he goes yeah, off the board? Uh, well, it depends on how NFL's team starts to, you know, they got to, well, he's only 5'6", he's only 175 pounds. Forget all the tape we just watched at Kansas State. Forget all this tape we watched of him going through Bama's defense that has multiple first-round picks on it. We're just going to focus on his height, and someone's going to get themselves a steal. So I don't know where he goes, but if I'm the Dolphins and I need a game break in the backfield, I'm taking Deuce Vaughn and I'm taking Keaton Mitchell. You heard the names, Deuce Vaughn, Keaton Mitchell. Keep an eye on those guys come draft day. Emery Hunt, CBS Sports HQ. You can follow him on Twitter at FB Game Plan. F-Ball Game Plan. F-Ball Game Plan. There it is. Thanks a lot today, Emery. Appreciate your time. Anytime. All right, there he goes, the great Emery Hunt. Another fun podcast here. Like I said, we have a lot more interviews in the can. Looking to bring those to you guys on Thursday and Friday editions of the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you download your podcast from. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. All the international podcasts on the network. Our YouTube channel for media availabilities. Chris Greer's press conference, Mike McDaniel's press conference, Dolphins today, and a heck of a lot more. And last but not least, for the Scouting Combine written notebook, written by yours truly, head over to MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home on Friday.